This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, we could start this edition of Cardinals Underground the way so many conversations start, say, in the workplace. You're walking down the hallway. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? You know, however you want to say it, how you doing? I once had a boss, Felipe, because you look intrigued by this. All of a sudden, you're on the edge of your seat. All right, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Felipe Corral, Jr. I had a boss. Literally, it was my first day on the job. He was the big cheese, and he said to me, now, Paul, when I run into you in the hallway and I say, how are you doing? I just want a one- or two-word answer. I really don't want an honest answer to that question. I don't want, okay, any drama or problems. I just want to nod and say, going great, boss, and just be on your way. That is sort of the understanding. And at 5-0, and oh, I mean, there really are no legitimate complaints, are there? Now, am I capable of complaining? Absolutely I'll bring it and I'll talk about the power rankings or maybe this Sunday night football matchup and why don't they even get the stinking 2-3 and three Seahawks out of there with Russell Wilson. And maybe we could even cite Chandler Jones right now. But honestly, legitimately, there are no complaints when not only are you 5-0 and oh in the win-loss column, but for Pete's sake, you're even 5-0 and oh in coin tosses. So I don't want to hear any small change complaining on this edition of Cardinals Underground. Is that for Pete Carroll's sake? Well, you said for Pete's sake. I'm talking. No, no, absolutely not. I'm just saying nobody in America wants Got to it. watch the Seahawks minus Russell Wilson. Are you? It's like um, it'd be like watching Ted Lasso without Ted Lasso. I mean, what what the, what what value is there in watching the Seahawks on Sunday night if Russell Wilson's not a quarterback? Zero. Well, I mean. This is a fair point, but I mean, you're not going to be changing things. I mean, by the time Russell Wilson got hurt, you you can't change things. You can't. What is the flex rule? It's why like aren't ten the Cardinals days out? Why isn't Baker against Kyler in Sunday Night Football? Ten days? Is that it's what it is? It's ten days out, and okay. and if you're going to ask why Baker and Kyler are on Sunday Night Football, the question should have been why didn't they put them there? I guess in May when they put out the schedule. Not now. And if you go back to Cardinals Underground after the schedule you was released. You don't want to see two, two, and three teams? Did we not whine and complain about that? We were mystified back then why Baker against Kyler wasn't if, on if, Sunday if, Night Football if, or in primetime. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll let Felipe speak for himself, but on a very personal note, quite frankly, uh, as long as we're sitting here and whining and complaining, uh, you're never going to hear me whine and complain about not having night games. I hate night games. Wait, so, why do you hate them, though? Why do I hate them? Don't you like that primetime spotlight? Uh, no, you know? I don't particularly like coming home at 2 in the morning. And, you know, some people, like to my right, get to go home right after the game or whatever. I'm I'm there for forever. I don't want to be there forever. Yeah, but Felipe's at that point in his life. I mean, the evening doesn't even start till 11 o'clock. Trust me, that's also, so that's he, also part of the equation. I Not that I loved it once upon a time, but. I mean, I go to sleep fairly early as well. You know, I don't like well, to well, 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 what's fairly early? Like, well, you guys mentioned 11. I go to sleep around 11 after game day. Okay, that's not terrible. That's That's not terrible. I'm an old soul. You know, I'm still fairly, you know, 
I think no, I think that's cap. Always, it's always a good. I say it's cap. It's a good start to the podcast when you have Darren and Paul using cap. Yeah. We just gotta, you know, extend the slang a little bit. I'm gonna have to teach you a couple new words. You know, like when you said you you walk through the hallways and you, and you say and you talk to people and they're like, hey, I oh, don't. how you doing? I, I was expecting <laughs> to be like, I'm doing good, bro. You know, that type of vibe. Mm. So okay. All right, I gotta add bro more. You gotta, gotta add bro. I have to you gotta get on the Urban Dictionary, Paul. More of my sentences have to end in comma bro. I mean, they really do. You're right. Okay, I'll work on that. Especially if you I'll walk by Michael Bidwell. Hey, I'm just kidding. Actually, you know, as long as Ohm's in here, why don't you just talk to Ohm's and say like blah 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 blah, right, Chief? I mean, I I know he loves that. <laughs> Chief, that was so like 22 years ago. Come on, I don't care. Chief. I know it gets under almost skin though. Yeah. So just don't end your day by crying. At the microphone like Dan Campbell did with the Lions. I, I'm sorry. I don't care how emotional or how vested you are. When you're the CEO, basically, of the organization as the head coach, especially on game day, you know, you've got to manage your emotions to the point where you're not weeping and sobbing at the mic in the postgame presser after week five. I'm sorry. W- would you prefer uh, Dan Campbell or Dennis Green? <laughs> Dennis, I was there for Dennis Green, yeah, though. Yeah, De- Dennis Green was uh, more of a, was a rant, obviously, uh, on steroids. But uh, you know, just crying and wiping your eyes of tears. Uh, no sympathy when you're. Uh, so what happens when you're five and zero? You just come to the podcast and just start shaming, you know, grown man, grown men. You know, that's gotta love the feeling. Gotta love the feeling, Paul. By the way, uh, did the Twitter account go after the uh, power rankings? And if they went after the power rankings this week, why didn't they go after the power rankings last week when the Rams were still rated ahead of the Cardinals after the Cardinals had jack stomped the Rams in their home stadium? That's what I didn't understand either. I don't know what to tell you. As long as we're getting the petty whining out of the way uh, here off the top. You know how I feel about power rankings. The Cardinals are 5-0 and for the first time since Don Coriel, since Mel Gray and Dan Durdorf and Jim Hart and all that. I mean, that. you were like 18 that year, right? <laughs> Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. It was uh, it was Wolf's rookie year. I mean, if you want to bust <laughs> okay, on someone. Okay, that's fair. Okay? That's you know, fair. I mean, you know, it's uh, – That's so, fair. Uh, by the way, when you see some of those old highlights, and NFL Network did a little bit on that. The white-on-white uniforms. Who's in favor of that? Jim Omohundro, you're basically a historian. Oh, yeah, way say, up on that one. Okay, white-on-white. Should they bust that out in honor of the best start since the 74 Cardinals? Uh, Maybe a Thursday here, night. You know, Here's what's funny. I, do all the wacky just, uniforms. Okay, so not necessarily this weekend? Yeah, Thursday night. No, if, if the Seahawks uh, no, I can the go Browns. with the well, neon highlighter green, why can't the Cardinals go with white on white? And, on they, the- and they could on Thursday night. It's funny, though, you, when you first said, can't they break that out, I thought you meant in Cleveland on on oh, Sunday. Sure. And Well, except they did break out the white on white in Cleveland on a Sunday. That was uh, basically the game that we all knew that Dave McGinnis was eventually going to get fired because they just got crushed by a very, very bad and in turmoil Browns team in 2003. Uh, I recall that correctly. There was like a bunch of infighting during the week, and then they came out, and I think the final score was eh, it was something ugly. Everything was ugly down the stretch that year. So that's what I recall. By the way, I don't know. Well, look, I don't think. We're doing the, a good job of avoiding the fact yes, that Chandler Jones yes. is on the COVID list. We're, so we're, we're going to get to that, but we're sort of in denial because that, that's really that. right hot, hot off the presses. So we're sort of in denial. I'm not going to say the Browns are in turmoil, certainly not the locker room, the organization. I have no idea. But I will say the Browns fan base is in turmoil based on the tweet of the quote from Robert Alford that I just sent out there, and it was just a direct quote. And I thought it was innocuous enough to to the point where I wasn't even going to hit send. But when Robert Alford said, oh, yeah, Baker Mayfield is, quote, progressing every year, 
and is trending towards being a big-time NFL quarterback. Oh, so they're mad at you now over there? No, it's divided the Browns fan base. I realize how divided they are because he's in a contract year. Essentially, are they going to go ahead and give him the big contract extension or not? They've given other guys from his draft class, Josh Allen, et cetera, the big contract extension. Well, man, you realize how polarizing that question is in the Browns fan base. It's either have or have not as to whether you are on board with Baker or not. There's nothing. There's not a better way to start off the week with Paul Cavici starting some beef within the Browns fan base heading into Week Six. You know, it's barely Tuesday, and you're already causing some. Well, wait, some wait, see, Felipe, you just know he's going to be on the sideline. He's going to go all right up the dog pound. He's going to pound his chest and say, "You want a piece of this?" <laughs> no. I'm, I'm the guy who no. tweeted, who tweeted that. I'm that guy. So. But no. but are they mad because hey. they don't believe in Baker? If, or? if this was TV news, it's October. It is sweeps month, okay? So you That's take true. out the big soup spoon. <laughs> you start stirring it up around here. That's essentially – yeah, apparently they're really divided on whether Baker is the quarterback of the future or not, whether Baker is the quarterback that you want to invest the big money in. That's a fair question. And Well, so, I don't know if it's a fair question, to be honest. Now that I, I think, think it's unfair. It. But Let me tell you, if the Cardinals jump the Browns and Baker doesn't have a very good game, uh, that could get a little ugly in the stands in Cleveland. I'm curious to see where that is. is. All of a sudden, the is Browns are 3-3, the- three and three, and if Baker isn't thro- – and you know what? Two weeks ago against Minnesota, he was terrible. Now, a lot of people think that was because of the partially torn labrum, his yeah. non-throwing shoulder, he's wearing the harness. But his accuracy was all over. He did not play well. Now they just put 42 points on the board and lost against the L.A. Chargers in a game that featured more than 1,000 yards of total offense. In fact, there was a crazy stat from that game. Here it is. The Browns just became the first team in NFL history to lose a game when scoring 40-plus points with 500 or more yards and zero turnovers. Until that last game against the Chargers, Teams who had scored 40-plus with 500 yards and zero turnovers have been 401-0. and zero. That record is now 401-1. and one. Again, uh, probably another reason why you wouldn't mind having Chandler Jones out there this weekend. Okay, so give it to us. Just we just, just hit us right over the head with it. Are you kidding me? We sat well, down to do a podcast, and then boom, the news. And, and it, did, it did come down right as we were about to start uh, talking. And to be fair, as we're recording this, we do not know absolutely for sure. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury said earlier the team was 100% vaccinated, so that means Chandler Jones is vaccinated. So that means if he's asymptomatic, he could come back with back-to-back negative tests. And so that still leaves a door open. Now, whether he's asymptomatic or whether he is going to be able to have two negative tests after testing positive and that seems like a fairly long shot, judging by many people that have already been vaccinated and, and come back from this. We'll see. So I, I guess the door is not going to be closed, but it, it's it's definitely not an ideal turn of events, not with everything else going on with this team and some of the pieces they might be missing or that from that. Uh, I got one thing to say. Hello, Dennis Gardeck. Seven sacks and 93 defensive snaps uh, a year ago. Dennis Gardeck, get ready to play nearly a full game because I- I'm sorry, just the way COVID is and the protocols, you got to proceed going forward as if he's not going to play. Even though you wouldn't think two straight negative tests doesn't seem insurmountable. But in this day and age, you certainly can't count on 55 being out there if that's the latest. Well, I mean – I am not a doctor, did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But uh, I do know that it, it, I guess some of it has to depend on maybe what strain he has. I know people that have had the variant um, that once they, they cleared 10 days and they were still testing positive, 
Uh, and that's the other part of this with Chandler is like if you're if you test positive, you don't get those two negative tests in a row. You do get you do get to come back after 10 days no matter what. Um, but uh, that variant tends to linger in your system and you can continue to test positive for any number of days or even weeks after that. So and, and you almost hope that the team's going to be a little bit more cautious, right? Like you're not going to I mean, you're going to try to protect everybody else. In terms of what, him coming back? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the rules are very strict. I mean, if he does not test negative twice, he he can't be around here. So, What if he tests negative? Oh, well, it has to be 24 hours. I was going to say, what if he tests negative, like, Saturday afternoon and the team already left? Like, do you fly him out or – my no. guess is if you start when you start bumping up against mm-hmm. game day, you're probably yeah. just going to say, you know what, he didn't practice all week, mm-hmm. he's not here, and it, we don't know if he's had any symptoms, so we don't know where his conditioning might be and all that stuff. It's just, it's a very complicated in the short term kind of thing. It's a good thing that we have headsets on, that our uh, studio mics are down, because I would be bashing my forehead again, as I like to do, with the studio <laughs> oh, mic. See, I thought you were talking when, about wiping them down. When we start hearing about <laughs> strains of COVID and which strain it is, and, and, and it's a very astute observation. I'm not killing the messenger here, Darren. I'm just I saying understand. when we're to this point, yeah, I just still here in October of 2021, man, I, I think I speak for everybody. It's getting really tiresome, isn't it? it this is still a factor that this still can take – one of your top five players off your team on game day at a moment's notice out of left field. I mean, it's just it, – it's the reality, and it's something they're going to have to deal with. I mean, it could be worse, worse, right? I mean, last year didn't the Denver Broncos lose their, their entire quarterback room? Yep. To, yeah. I mean, at least this, is a, this isn't a case where you lose – J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden, Corey Peters, the entire defensive line. I mean, let's try to okay. – This is me. That's <laughs> me knocking on wood. Uh, let's hope I'm Felipe didn't to, speak that into existence. <laughs> it's oh, just, Darren doesn't believe in, yeah. in jinx or anything like yeah. that, no, so I'm safe in this room. I, By the way, I also feel like you could have bruised your hand there, Paul, so just be careful. By the way, I, I see here on the rundown that J.J. Uh, Watt is a talking point, so I'm going to use that as the segue to get off the COVID and Chandler Jones I like that and idea. talk a little J.J. Watt. I don't know what the exact final number said on J.J. Watt, but the eyeball test says that he absolutely schooled the right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, who was tagged with allowing a team-high four quarterback pressures, and he was penalized three times. I think a lot of that had to do with trying to deal with 99 and not too successful at it along the way. As uh, yeah, J.J. Watt was an absolute wrecking ball, was he not, in that game? He was, and and uh, not that he had not – I thought he's had uh, a lot of good moments, and I feel like he's been ramping up, but that was the game where I really felt like he completely dominated things. Even with his numbers being what they were, uh, I think officially he was he was credited with three hurries, a pass batted down, which was I believe the last fourth down. Uh, yes, knock, it was, was actually. That was JJ yep. Watts knockdown. Yep. Um, almost got a sack, got a nice tackle for loss, and he just he was all over the place. And and obviously again, if Chandler's not there, that'll just make it that much more important for him to continue that kind of play. Final stats to contribute to what you said. He oh, also thanks, had, he also had four quarterback hits. He had the third highest pass rush uh grade according to Pro Football Focus in, in week 5, but you know, heading into this game knowing you're not going to have Byron Murphy, you're not going to have Marco Wilson, that secondary is going to be, you know, thin. 
you just had to imagine or had to hope that someone between J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones had an impactful game. It's just one of those games where your defensive line was going to have to be outstanding, and they were. You know, Chandler Jones almost had a couple of sacks if it wasn't for those holding calls. He did. I mean, Chandler Jones did draw some penalties, and uh, J.J. Watt just outstanding. I mean, you've been waiting for that classic J.J. Watt game. At least I was. You know, I said it week after week on our Spanish radio broadcast uh pregame show just i just want to see that classic jj watt game i mean i know the the sacks are going to come in bunches they didn't necessarily come but he was so effective in other aspects of the game it opened up zach allen's game obviously there's a couple of moments where you saw jj watt draw two offensive linemen and then zach allen won his one-on-one matchup so he impacted the game in many other ways aside from the sacks you know he helped Zach Allen he helped Lecky Fotu who also had a, a pretty decent game and hopefully I mean the sacks start coming in bunches I mean week six if Chandler Jones isn't there for whatever reason hopefully those come yeah here we go J.J. Watt at least according to the box score three tackles two tackles for loss three quarterback hits the fourth down pass defense the batted ball and yeah it was one of four fourth down stops as the Niners went one for five on fourth down. Think about that. The Cardinals this year are 100% on fourth down. Uh, There are other teams that are 100% on fourth down. I think it's the L.A. Chargers are seven for seven. Brandon Staley really likes to go for it on fourth down. So for the Cardinals to hold the opponent, especially a Kyle Shanahan offense, to one for five on fourth down and to hold – the 49ers to 10 points or fewer for the first time in two years for all the injuries and all the different guys at quarterback in different positions and all the turmoil that has faced the 49ers there's one thing about Kyle Shanahan he still manages to put points on the scoreboard so for the Cardinals to win 17 to 10 and hold the Niners to their lowest output in over two years for a defense that still gave up a buck 52 on the ground for right a defense that allow the 49ers I think the stat was to get into Cardinals territory on eight of nine possessions it was the classic bend but don't break and D coordinators really don't like to hear that they don't like the whole bend but don't break thing because they don't like to give up yards and first downs at any point on the gridiron but right now that is the best way to describe that Cardinals defense after that game yeah I mean I think (laughs) and it it just it's 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 hard to get past the Chandler news as fresh as it is in our heads right now, but um, it, it, it was a it was a strange game against the Niners. I mean, they had all those fourth down stops. They had that 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 incredible play at the goal line. That was a 93 yard drive that they happened to stop, and they deserve all the credit in the world for stopping it. But at the same time, if he gets the one more yard, all of a sudden you've surrendered a 94 yard touchdown drive, and that's. That's not something you want. Now, they, they pulled it out in the end, and that Buda Baker keeps talking about that. Like, we've got to hold them to field goals if they get in a position where they could possibly score touchdowns. And, again, they only gave up 10 points. So uh, they get all the credit in the world. Um, but, again, when you talk about the Browns, Felipe, and what they could be seeing, I mean, the reality is is I, I still think they they need to do some things on the ground. Um in terms of defending the run and you're facing arguably the best running team in the league. I don't know what the stats say, but I know between Nick Chubb and, uh, and why am I drawing a blank on the kid from Kansas city? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. uh, You know, that is a hell of a running game that could really 
mess you up. As a defense, Paul, when you see Kyle Shanahan go for it on fourth down five times with the rookie quarterback, is there a level of disrespect that they must be feeling? You know, that that's something that Rolando Cantu, ex Arizona Cardinals offensive lineman and uh, analyst was kept talking about how how disrespectful for you to keep going it on on fourth down with the rookie quarterback with design runs that you saw Zayvon Collins stop him at some point they must feel some sort of disrespect and pride right you know it's either that or just out of necessity Mm. honestly you've got a rookie quarterback making his first start he's had 17 college starts all FCS and here he is out in his first NFL start and and what are you able to do with what this kid is able to do. It reminded me a lot of when Colin Kaepernick was real young for the 49ers back in the Jim Harbaugh days. We're going to roll him out. We're going to boot him. If he sees green grass, he's going to run. We're going to give him half the field to read. We're going to try to make it as simple as possible. It wasn't totally unlike what Kyle Shanahan did when he was the Washington OC with RG3 his rookie year, which was an unbelievable rookie year until they made the mistake of playing RG3 in the playoffs with a strained knee, and then it ended up being a torn ACL in that playoff loss. And, well, I, and I'll tell you what, if they keep continuing down this road with Trey Lance, he's going to end up like RG3. Well, he's he already, already hurt. He already had a strain. He woke up overnight coming off the Cardinals game, at least according to the story they're telling the media, and his knee was hurting him and went in for an MRI, and he has a sprained knee. Yeah, I mean, I what I saw for most of that game was the 2015 Panthers and Cam Newton. I mean, that's what it looked like running them between the tackles. Yep. QB power. QB power. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't I don't know where that goes. I mean, he is not enough of a – I mean, they don't have the receivers to make up for his, his inaccuracy, so I don't think the 49ers can do much throwing the ball, and I'll be super curious to know what they do this weekend if Garoppolo is still banged up and can't operate the way he wants to and Lance can't – oh, no, they're on a buy this They're week. on a buy. Oh, well, see, then it doesn't matter. So – uh, but and, uh, but and supposedly they expect Jimmy IR or Jimmy G back for yeah, that game, and, and so maybe they they luck out. But but getting back to Lance, I mean, look, I I love, I can see why they like him. I would personally, the way the season is going for them, I would seriously think about playing him a lot. Uh, now maybe they 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 might see some things differently, and maybe Jimmy G rips up the Cardinals a little bit more with more accurate passes, but he certainly doesn't move around that well and he might have been sacked a few times that Trey Lance somehow got away from so I don't know what the best thing would be for them and I'll be curious to know who the Cardinals face the next time they see the Niners but uh yeah it's it's an interesting thing and getting back to what you were saying Felipe I mean I I don't I don't know I I guess you could always I I maybe maybe I'm too far removed from that at this point I I don't the disrespect thing I just don't I don't get it. If you're going for if you're going on fourth downs because you disrespect a team, what the hell? Uh, I think you're going for it on fourth downs because you're afraid your kicker, who you're using a backup, who's already been on two different teams, and you don't know if he can necessarily be consistent kicking from that far away. You you believe you can run over? I mean, we can talk about disrespect, but the reality is the Cardinals went into that game giving up five and a half yards of carry. So, are you really disrespecting a team that's giving up five yards of carry? I don't. How can, they, how can you say that's disrespect when you've earned whatever respect you have? So I, I just think that he thought that was best for his team, and the Cardinals just came up big and it ended up being a big deal. I mean, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you have two rookie running backs, undrafted guys. Well, the one was a uh, – Elijah Mitchell was a six-round pick, actually. But your leading rusher was Trey Lance at 89 yards rushing, five and a half yards of carry. 
once again, no matter who's in the secondary for the Cardinals, they have taken the opponent's number one receiving threat out of the game. Debo Samuel, yeah, he had a nice touchdown run, but that was on a pitch. In terms of the passing game, was Debo Samuel a factor? No. Nine targets, three receptions for 58 yards, and coming in yeah. again, you didn't have Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson. So is that that's a Vance Joseph design or scheme or something. All the, all the kudos to Vance Joseph, obviously. I'm just echoing what Chandler Jones said after the game on Sunday. I mean, you check that box. Once again, they rendered the opponent's number one receiving threat a non-factor. Nine targets, three catches for Debo Samuel. A week after was 13 targets, five catches yeah. for Cooper Cup. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in week one, non-factor. Jacksonville couldn't get their guys going. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, did they wreck that game? Absolutely not. So whatever the Cardinals are doing in terms of their coverages, it's working against the opponent's number one receiver. Uh, Thing is, the rushing yards are still up. And by the way, Darren, to answer your question about what you face in a Browns team that right now leads the NFL, this is going to take a moment, guys. They lead the NFL in total rushing yards. Yards per game, Yikes. 188. Yards per carry, they're number one, 5.4. Rushing touchdowns, they're number one with a dozen. Eesh. Rushing first downs, they're number one with 51. And explosives, rushing plays of 20 yards or more, they're number one. Okay, wait a minute. Let me stop you here. Okay, please do. How could you possibly have stirred up any crap with the Browns fans about Baker Mayfield if they don't even need Baker Mayfield? They just hand the ball to those two guys. First of all, I didn't do it as Robert Alford's quote. All I did was stir it up. All I did was send it out, yeah, and okay. then that, that polarized the fan base because apparently half of them are on board of giving him the big contract like Josh Allen, and half of them definitely are not. That's what I can glean and ascertain based on that one tweet and trying to take the pulse of the Browns fan base. Now we'll get a better sense when we fly into Seatown this weekend, but – that can Paul's be my only walk takeaway. Town, ask them what they think of Baker Mayfield. We'll go over to the Rock and Roll <laughs> Museum, the Hall of Fame, and uh, you know we'll start. We'll take a little fan just, poll. Just ask every fan there. What do you guys think about Baker Mayfield? But I mean, 42 points last week. Baker was through for like 300 yards, two touchdowns, no no interceptions. I think it's a happy marriage between Baker and that coaching staff, having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, I think they're figure, figuring out a way to really make it work. I mean. Think about it. They didn't have. They don't have their two top receivers. OBJ obviously is coming back from injury, so he's been a little bit slow. And you still put up 42 points. How could you not be happy with Baker Mayfield at that point? That's that's all that was going through my mind. Like, how are you going to be so mad at the guy when he put up 40 plus or help you put up 40 plus Big. points? And then I mean, no no interception, no turnovers, none of that, and. Uh, that know. was his Russell Crowe from Gladiator. I guess so. Are you not entertained? That's uh, what he's telling the Browns fans Baker, right now. Baker Mayfield has that Kirk Cousins vibe, and that's what is killing him right now. That, that whole thing where he's got good numbers and he feels pretty good, and by most metrics you're like, why, why would we ever complain about him? And yet there's this fog that hangs over him like they're, they can't be the guy. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're saying – the guy in terms of what in terms of winning Super Bowls there's only like two of those guys right now like in terms of guys who have actually won Super Bowls that are playing could you say that Baker is to the Browns fans what the Cardinals defense is to Cardinals fans in that the defense has been getting gashed in the run game repeatedly yet look at it over the last two games they've only allowed 27 points The Rams and Niners came in as both top five, top six scoring offenses in the NFL. 
and they've held them to 27 points combined in the last two weeks. And one of those touchdowns was a garbage touchdown in L.A. with about a minute to go. You're talking about a Cardinals defense where only Buffalo and Denver have allowed fewer offensive points than the Cardinals defense. Yet, I don't sense an overwhelming majority of the Cardinals fan base is a big believer necessarily in the Cardinals defense right now. You do. You I, run the mailbag, Darren. Yeah, you tell us. I mean, it actually – I mean, I haven't sensed that lately. I do agree that there's a certain – but, see, every fan base is like this. It's just like, you know, you sending out these grenade tweets to the Cleveland fan base. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter how well things are going. You're going to find something that's wrong. And I guarantee you the sky will be falling this week if the Cardinals lose to Cleveland because that's – what fans do. I mean, last week I was looking at some of the Rams fallout and before they beat the Seahawks, it's like, oh my God, our defense is terrible. We can't stop anybody. They had one really bad game against a really good offensive team against Arizona, but it didn't matter. We stink. Our defensive coordinator should be fired and all that stuff. And, you know, and and that's part of, you know, it's funny with Cleveland because it's like, if my team lost 47 to 42, my first thought wouldn't be, what did the quarterback do wrong? What I mean, if you want to take it out on someone, take it out on LeBron. LeBron was in attendance <laughs> at SoFi, and there was LeBron looking at and trying to cheer on his Browns. And, uh, you know, but LeBron left you guys high and dry, although he did deliver the NBA title. I get it. The one championship they've had in uh, multiple generations. But, you know, I find another one is going to be – how about all these injuries for the Browns? I mean, oh, you I got, thought you were going to say you for got, the Cardinals. You got bigger issues than just the quarterback thing when you're missing both your starting tackles. When your top three corners were out of that game by the end of the game, you look at how this game turned because they were up. They led 27-13, the Browns, over the Chargers, and then the Chargers went for 26 in the fourth quarter, and that's because you're playing only your fourth and fifth string cornerbacks, and they got absolutely lit up. Well, and that's what happened, Felipe, to the Colts. I mean, they were they were playing their two main cornerbacks down the stretch against the Ravens on Monday night were practice squad guys because they have so many injuries. And that's why, ultimately, you know, as horrible as the injury was to Max Williams, that's why if center Rodney Hudson is out for a couple of weeks, that's why Chandler Jones being on the COVID list or Byron Murphy may miss another game. Nobody gives a crap. I mean, Cardinals fans give a crap, but I mean, it's not like this team is is any more worse for wear than most other teams. And that, and that's the problem. And ultimately that's where it comes down to. 5 and 0 is great. Anything the Cardinals can do is great. But this is this is such a contest and I mean the NFL season of attrition and who who actually is healthy. I mean, look at the the Chiefs partially lost the Super Bowl last year is because they had no healthy offensive linemen and they couldn't stop True. that pass rush. I mean, it's it's just one of those situations to me where, you know, last year, you know, believe it or not, they failed to adapt halfway through the season, right? They were 6-3 six six at some point, and for whatever reason, they failed to adapt. They didn't make the playoffs. I think if those three – well, Max Williams obviously is going to be out. If Chandler Jones, if Rodney Hudson are out for a couple a couple of weeks or a week or two or, or whatever – how are you going to adapt? I think that's the biggest thing that I want to see from this Cardinals uh, team. Are you going to, you know, find ways to pressure the quarterback to stop the run even without Chandler Jones? Are you going to find a way to keep Kyler Murray clean and help? hopefully he's 
continues to be dominant from the pocket without Rodney Hudson? Are you going to find a way to replace Mac Will- Max Williams, believe it or not? I mean, he did a bunch of things offensively from protecting from, you know, some of the passes that he caught, important passes that he caught. I mean, that week four touchdown. How are you going to adapt to the circumstances? And I, I feel like if the Cardinals find a way to adapt early on in the season, I think oh you know, be positive. I'll give them some type of confidence for the rest of the season. I'll give them that feeling of like, all right, then we were able to do something that we didn't do last year. And I think that's going to, you know, give them confidence moving forward. Well, if you ask me here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, I think maybe this is where you're driving. What impressed you most about that win against the 49ers? Right up there would be finding a different way to win. Yeah, you didn't go for 30 plus and 400 plus yards. You found a different way to win with different players and missing your top two corners. And you were able to innovate and devise a way to get a victory, even though the Niners were moving the ball once again, eight to nine times. They ended up into Cardinals territory on their drives. They ran the ball, uh, you know, but the Cardinals made the plays when they needed to. And after scoring on the opening drive and then the big drought and scoring near the end of the game, although. The pass that should have made it 14 nothing out of 100 times, that's the one time out of 100 where Kyler Murray does not connect with a wide-open DeAndre Hopkins. Correct? What happened on that play exactly? I, I still never saw the full replay. He threw from, behind him a little bit, right? From where I was standing there, field level, he had a bunch of traffic in his face, so he went sidearm and tried to get it around guys and into the end zone, and I think he realized that D-Hop was so open, I can just fling it and he'll make the catch. To your point, Felipe, it was behind him enough that I think it caught D-Hop by surprise enough that it wasn't anywhere near being on the money, and then, boom, it went through his hands, if you look at the replay. so But once again, they could do that a 1,000 times, and that's the one time they don't connect on that. So it easily could have been 14 nothing at that point. It wasn't. It was a game. But we all know how it's gone against Kyle Shannon and the Niners in the past. They now have two NFC West wins, which matches the total of division wins from a year ago. Once again, no legitimate way you can complain here at 5-0. and And that's the thing that stresses me out because you hear some – Stresses you out? It stresses me out because I was watching Monday Night Football and I was watching Randy Moss. They asked him, you know, are the Cardinals for real? And he kept going back to, no, they're not for real. The Bills are the best team in the NFL for X, Y, and Z reasons. But if you look back at the schedule, that week one dominant win on the road against the Titans, you beat the Rams on the road, you find a gritty way to win against a divisional opponent, they found every single manageable way uh, a way to win these close games or these, you know, you, you dominate the Rams who were number one going into that week four matchup, and someone still finds a way to discredit this. Well, wait, you know, the 5-0 no start. Was he just saying they aren't as good as the Bills, like they're pretenders as the number one team, or is he saying they're pretenders? No, no, they period. asked him, are they for real? Do you consider them, you know, the, the best team in the NFL? And, I mean, at this point, there's there's not a legitimate argument that you can make because they found a way to win – in as many ways possible. Yeah. You beat the Titans on the road on the road by 20 plus. You beat the Rams on the road by I think like 15 15 17 points 17. or whatever. And then you still find a way to to beat a divisional opponent at home, someone that you've struggled against and I, I just don't get it, but I, at the same time I get it because they've never necessarily gotten the credit that they deserved at a national well, level. I know? will say that it's I don't really care about power rankings or what everybody says because everybody's got to say something when, crap, we're saying something every week Mm -hmm. here. But um, I will say that if this team wants to continue to say they're not going to get complacent, 
it's real easy not to get complacent if everybody on the outside continues to say, I really don't think they're that good. Because I, I don't care what they say about we're not listening to the noise. Of course they listen to the noise. That is so much malarkey. I can't even begin <laughs> to tell you that they don't listen to the noise. Everybody knows what the noise is, including Cliff Kingsbury. Now, that doesn't mean it, it impacts them a ton. But it, if if you don't think that having a bunch of national people sitting there saying we don't think they're for real is going to impact them, I, I completely disagree, and I absolutely think they will use that. Well, I'll They're give, not going to say it, but no, they'll use it. I'll give you a small example. NFL Network was talking about the Cardinals' win, and then everyone stopped, and they sort of looked at each other, and a couple of the analysts said, you know, I didn't realize the Arizona Cardinals could win ugly. There's still this hint of a moniker of pretty boy football out there. There's still those who think that it's an air raid offense, and it's just erroneous. But it's still out there on a national level. Well, here's a great point to just what you're saying. I just talked to Justin Pugh last week about running it, uh, that all-runs uh, field goal drive at the end of the Rams 11 game. runs and then a field and goal I for brought a 12-play drive. I, I said something along the lines of, is there something, and I, I couldn't come up with a really good question, but I essentially said, does the testosterone really get going when you get to, like, pound away on another team and – does that does that mean anything to you? And he goes, well, he ba- he basically, and I'm paraphrasing. He basically said, we're it's good that we proved to ourselves we could do it. But he goes, I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks about us. I don't care if people call us the air raid offense or pretty boy football. He actually brought that up. They know what's being said. And Justin Pugh's point was basically, if we're scoring a bunch of points and it's over through the air on horizontal passes, what do I care? Uh, which is probably a good way to take it. Now, I, I think they need to do this other stuff like win gritty, win ugly, all that stuff, but I, they, they absolutely are aware. But wasn't it Chase after the Rams game that stood there at the podium and said he had a pregame conversation or has been talking to James Conner about let's get rid of that moniker? Yeah, but that, and, and that's what I brought up. Was so to your point, saying, they're aware of it. Of course they are. I mean, we again, this idea that players, no matter what they want to say – are in this cave and never listening to stuff is not real. Even if they're not paying attention to it, I guarantee you there's somebody in their family that is paying attention to it and is letting them know. Now, maybe they're turning around and saying, I'd rather not hear this bro or sis or dad or wife, but I guarantee you they're hearing this stuff because I've been around it for way too long and it's just not true that they're not paying attention. And if it's fuel... If it's motivation, it's not a bad thing. I don't mind it. I mean, even if it is concocted to some degree or you're taking umbrage just as something to rally around, it's not a bad thing. The 2008 Cardinals, let's shock the world. The worst playoff team ever, in the words of Chris Collinsworth, (laughs) that coalesced and gelled an entire locker room and said, let's go get them. That was something that they used as a rallying cry. Great, okay, but if you find motivation in that – it's not the worst thing in the world. And, and and to that point, too, and I feel like we're ignoring Felipe again, but I feel bad, and he wasn't around in 2008. But mm. uh, I'm working on in this in the Cardinals Folktale series, which we all are, are taking part in right now, and we're in the middle of. Um, one of the, the videos that I'm directing is, is, is about that stretch run in 2008 and, and the snow day game and, and 
if you go back to talk to people now, there is some talk, you know, they will acknowledge the Collinsworth stuff, but then there's this other stuff. And in the moment, I think it mattered. Now, when they look back, eh, you know, eh, and, and let's face it, Chris Collinsworth saying they're the worst playoff team ever probably gave them a little bit of a spark. But what gave them more of a spark was the fact that Larry Fitzgerald had the best playoff run of all time, that they had a Hall of Fame quarterback, that their defense started playing at a level that it consistently that it hadn't played all season, and that Edron James, who Ken Wisenhunt thought was basically washed up at that point, basically became the running back he had always been in the playoffs. That's why they went on that playoff run. Now, they needed... They needed something to rally around, and I think there was some of that, but it still goes to this, what we're talking about now, which is if Kyler Murray plays like MVP-type stuff and DeAndre Hopkins goes over and snatches touchdown catches away from Josh Norman and this defense stops teams on 80% of their fourth downs, it doesn't matter what they rally around. They're winning because of the talent. If J.J. Watt is becoming a wrecking ball again, that's why they're going to win games is because of the talent on the field. Well, look, two weeks ago, the betting favorites for MVP, according to Vegas, was Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray. That was so two weeks ago. Now it's Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Just look at how this goes. So if Kyler's trying to keep pace with those other guys who are seemingly in the race, okay, guess what? Your turn now, and you're going against Baker Mayfield. I I tell you, as long as we're talking about throwbacks, I did like hearing – D.J. Humphreys tell the media that the similarity he sees between this team and the 2015 team, and by the way, I was on the edge of my seat because I'm thinking, oh, here it comes. What Pauly Pigskin say a few weeks ago, that this offense reminds him of the 2015 offense that set all those records and led the NFL in all those different categories, and of course, D.J. Humphreys went a totally different direction, and he said, no, that's not what reminds him of 2015. It's how, in his words, no one hesitates to hold each other accountable. Yeah in the locker room that when guys don't have any fear of saying what needs to be said and you police yourselves in the locker room, which is exactly one of the boxes that Steve Kime wanted to check, one of the directives and objectives of the offseason. Sorry, Kyle, leadership is what he's talking about, and that was part of the offseason plan. Uh, that was intriguing to hear D.J. Humphreys cite that as a similarity to the 2015 team that lost to Cam Newton in the QB power in the championship game. And you kind of have to believe that because you added guys like A.J. Green, James Conner, Rodney Hudson, that this Arizona Cardinals team is top five in offense and top five in defense. The only team in the NFL that that is in top five in both categories that veteran leadership has really made a difference. I mean, that's the reason why they're playing so physical, physical, right? That's the reason why, you know, they did start 5-0. and That's the reason why Kyler Murray has been playing at a high level when you add a guy like Rodney Hudson. That's the reason why this running game uh, continues to flourish and, and improve week in and week out because you added guys like <laughs> James Conner. You have the one of the top wide receiver groups in the NFL. Again, credit to having A.J. Green in there and taking away a lot of that pressure from DeAndre Hopkins, which you saw that kind of pay off in Week 5, right? After uh, A.J. Green had two consecutive uh, great games against the Jaguars and against the Rams, you saw a lot of one-on-one matches for DeAndre Hopkins, and that essentially won you the game. You you have to go back to giving Steve Kime kudos, right, for all the off-season, off-season ad- additions that he had. Uh, it's just made all the difference in the world, and I think that's why uh, it's a you know different team from 2015. Uh, believe it or not, I haven't watched 
Wired in its entirety this week featuring James Conner. I will tell you that the people who shot it, the camera people, raved about it. And just the kind of guy James Conner is, how fired up, how amped up, how intense he was on game day. You watch some of the clips the Cardinals have tweeted out, you get a sense of that. The Cardinals came out on that opening drive, and I can tell you, based on his TV show, Cliff Kingsbury, the one thing that was gnawing about him, about the offense, for all the accolades and all the number one rankings, Felipe, as you cite, they had yet to score a touchdown on the opening drive. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan historically has been very good at. How many times have the Cardinals played the Niners, and the Niners come out with this ridiculous opening drive, and you're seeing an entirely new approach and personnel groups and formations, and, and there's Kyle Juszczyk with three fullback screens on that opening drive. Remember that once in Santa Clara, and they punch it in. So Cliff Kingsbury made a comment a week ago on his TV show that, yeah, we had that opening drive field goal. Since then, it's been a trio of three and outs. So they come out in this game. Boom, they go down the field. They get the touchdown, but it was how they got the touchdown. It was third and one at the 43. James Conner, 22 dive. Wolf lost his mind. Look at that. That's the fullback, the 22 dive, James Conner. And then they're at the goal line and on the touchdown run, and I asked Cliff Kingsbury if one set up the other because now they're in a similar formation, similar personnel group, and maybe the Niners thinking, oh, boy, here comes number six again right through the B gap. Nope. Quick pitch to the outside, and boom, he's easily into the end zone. And so just the sequence so – look, I'm the last guy who's qualified to judge play calling, but I can tell you there does seem to be a sentiment among a number of players that even the play calling is better this year. Not just the play and the caliber in the locker room and the guys on the field, but even off the play sheet. So I think you are seeing an evolution, not just to the personnel and what they've added – to make them more dynamic, more varied. So it's not as easy to lock in on tendencies when you're able to run and pass and do it in different ways in a power scheme, but also with empty backfield and all that. It's just, it seems to be a case where if I'm a defensive coordinator, you're really left guessing exactly what the Cardinals are going to be doing from drive to drive, play to play. Well, hopefully that will continue even again with the injuries. I mean, I think Max Williams was part of that because they were using the tight end a little bit more in some different ways, and now you aren't going to have Max Williams, so what does that mean exactly? You know, Chase Edmonds was banged up a little bit. I do think that impacted some of the things they did with him. Now, they, they use Rondale Moore more against the 49ers, which was good, and I could see Rondale Moore playing a, another big role in this game. But you got you got to be able to stay healthy, and you got to be able to have these guys out there to do these different things. I mean, even Kyler admitted after the game when Max Williams got hurt that it impacted stuff because he's out there on almost every play with some kind of role. And it's not like you can't plug another tight end in there, but is he going to be as good as a blocker? You know, pro football focus is not the end-all be-all, but uh, Max Williams was had grades 70 and above in both run blocking and pass blocking and in the pass game, which is hard to do. Uh, and that just tells you what a well, well-rounded, and that's a good grade, 70-plus. So that that tells you what kind of year he's having. By the way, that was an astute question you asked about whether the loss of Max Williams uh, really resulted in an emotional toll. Yeah. It was a Cliff I Kingsbury, right? I, I actually, I was asked, it Cliff or Kyler or I both? I asked both of them. Both of them. And I think I might have asked somebody else too, but I, I felt it did. Yeah. Absolutely. When you see every player leave the sideline, I mean, that was on everyone's mind. And there's and there's no doubt they stalled from that point forward. And I think Kyler has said it too in weeks or months before that some of the best teams he's ever been on 
those teams are, are the chemistry is top notch, and I think that's important. And you saw it on that specific uh, scenario, or whatnot, when Max Williams did get hurt, and you saw you see everybody run over to him. Like they didn't just walk; they ran over there, make sure that you know he's good and whatnot. So you just as you know, it's gonna suck, but. I guess the silver lining of it all is you kind of had you kind of got a glimpse of how close and you know how close that this team is because it's going to come a long way uh, as the season progresses. Well, it's a lot easier to be close when you're winning. You know, I I, I I'm just like I said earlier about you you get galvanized over some stuff, uh, but ultimately it comes down to who you have playing the games is whether you're going to win or not. And I feel the same way about that kind of stuff. I mean, I think Max is a great dude and I think most people do. So I, I think, uh, everybody might've gone over there anyways for Max Williams sake. But in terms of when we talk about chemistry, it's, you're going to have chemistry when you're five and zero. it's, it's easy to feel. I mean, we've, we've all been through it before where if things are going well in your workplace, you tend to like the guy that maybe you don't necessarily love that much all the time. You can you can tolerate him a little bit more when things are going well, and I and I I I feel like that's part of this too. The chemistry, if they continue to win, the chemistry is only going to get better. I'm pretty sure Darren was looking at you, Felipe. Yeah, he I thought at first at, he was looking he, at me, he was but looking I think at he was looking at you when he said time. that. I mean, yeah, he, I think so. he started yeah. off looking at you, and when sure, he, yeah. once he started talking about yeah. the guy that you don't. Yeah. Always like so right. much. He turns like, direct to me. Yeah, just maybe like, it's both of us. Actually, we're both wearing that. Maybe I, I guess I don't. Do they need? Actually, to tr- I kept waiting for you to invoke Kyle. Like, what are you trying to channel <laughs> Kyle here? Do they need to trade for a tight end? Do they need a trade for one? Do they need another tight end, more of a pass catching tight end that they don't currently have on their roster after the loss of Max Williams? That is the question. Can they adapt and evolve? without a pass-catching tight end because, uh, I mean, I, I'm not seeing one on this depth chart right here. Well, I mean, I would think – I do think that Ross Travis uh, showed some things in training camp in terms of catching the ball. Demetrius I, Harris did too, but that was training camp. Well, you're right, and, and I'm not I'm not denying that. The, the, the problem you're, you're going to have is like, okay, who are we talking about? I hope you're not talking about a certain Eagles tight end that everybody kept talking about once upon a time. That's because right. Zach Ertz. Num- How is his one, season going, by the way? I have not looked. Zach Ertz. From everything I understand, he's in a better place, number one. Okay. The Eagles are coming off a win, so it's still early enough where maybe they think they can do some things. And more importantly today, Chandler Jones wasn't the only one that went on the COVID list. So did uh, Dallas Godert. Is Goddard. Goddard. Yep. Uh, so he's their other main tight end. So oh boy. you're not you're not okay. trading Zach Ertz right now. I, I just I feel like if you do if there is a trade out there and I'd have to look to see if there's somebody available, I just don't know who it would be and who's willing to give it up. And more importantly, Darren how Fells easily... from the Lions. Our Jim Omohundro threw out Darren Fells from Lions, former Cardinal. Lions are 0 5. They're done. Uh Maybe. start just parting with players. Maybe. Dan but, Arnold. but how how quickly how quickly do those guys get integrated into what they're doing the dan arnold see i heard somebody say dan arnold here's the problem with dan arnold dan arnold can't block and one of the reasons max williams was so good was because you could use him in the both those areas i'd rather see a darren fells who he's not a great blocker but he's a bigger dude dan arnold for me is still and i like dan arnold he's a glorified wide receiver yep and and i just don't think he fits in what you're trying to do now one of the reasons dan arnold did get some run last year was they didn't really have four good receivers you've got those guys now so you know and look there's something going on with dan arnold because the cardinals didn't resign him uh, the carolina panthers just traded him 
Jacksonville took him, and then he just fumbled it away. For There was a fumble return for a touchdown over Jacksonville just played. Dan the, Arnold hate. I can't believe you're giving us this. By the way, how about that stat that in the last, what, three years or something like that, the the Jacksonville Jaguars with Gardner Minshew are like 6-16, six and 16, and without Gardner Minshew, they're 0-17. So there you go. That's what you get for partying with uh, Gardner Minshew as your quarterback. Can I reach one more time? I'll ask you guys. Reach all you want. If you bring up Larry Fitzgerald, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. Because no one from the Vikings has gotten hurt, thankfully. So now we're in the truck. See, this is like the 2015 Cardinals. He's saying what needs to be said right here. About no, just getting, you know. I was just going to reach because I saw someone tweet, uh, what if you trade a first rounder for George Kittle? That's why I'm saying I'm reaching. But would you do that? I wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't? That no. contract He's been and a first rounder? That contract, and I know the Niners would be like, we'd never give you George Kittle for a first-rounder, but that contract combined with his injury history? Uh, you no, wouldn't? No. I, Third I, rounder I, then, last one. I mean, it's just the only way you're really going to be able to go after a big-money guy right now anyway is if you get a deal done with, like, Chandler Jones and free up some cap room because you're mm. too close to the cap to really well, go after a big-money type guy. I mean, what are the, I think last time I looked, they were somewhere at $2.5 million, $3 right. million in the cap. That's For everyone who was like, oh, much. Stephon Gilmore, bring him in. No. no, no, you don't. Not unless you get an, a long-term deal done with a Chandler Jones and free up a lot of cap room. That's the only way that's going to happen. So, look, whether they are able to add something to tight end, I don't know. When in doubt, we do know, go to DeAndre Hopkins. I did like the headline I saw somewhere, DeAndre the Giant. Because on that touchdown catch, that was at the very end. If you were field level and you saw Josh Norman between DeAndre Hopkins and the quarterback, it, it's sort of like I don't know when like DeAndre DeAndre Ayton actually to stick with our Get DeAndre's, your DeAndre right when DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> jacks up a three and you're like no 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 and it goes in you're like yes it's sort of like that pass from kyler to d hop is when he throws that ball you're like no 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 yep okay great he got his hands on it as he never turned to play the ball and you know what josh norman you got to know at this point in your career you better turn and know where the ball is because if you have no clue where the ball is uh, d hop will get his hands on that ball that's just that's just the way it is deandre hopkins liked my tweet about that play which was what uh, I said I just said something like, "Oh my, steel grip touchdown!" But the last part was, uh, "And Hop, it's good to have you back in this role." Mm. Is that a you know? Is, is he sending a message in a way? I don't know. He just liked my tweet. But if you were to guess, <laughs> if you were to guess, is he kind of like? No, I mean, you know, again, you're saying he's going Keyshawn Johnson, throw uh, me the damn ball through Darren's tweet. Is that what I you're mean, saying? He has all it's the, not like he, he has did, a credit. You want to know why? Because all he did was like it. If he really wanted to send a message, he you would have, have to retweet, retweet it. This is your way of telling DeAndre Hopkins retweet it, bro. You know, oh, yeah, I just want, I just want the clout. <laughs> the clout. Everybody, I'm giving Darren a round of applause for using clout. That is a record here on the Car on the Cardinals Underground. You know, clout. Wow. I started this the second the show by saying, you know, we need to extend our slang. We went from no cap cap to now to now clout. Do you wanna inform Paul? Do you know what clout? Don't look at me and don't say I don't don't know what clout means. <laughs> I'm asking you. I have, I'm asking two, you. I have two teenagers at home, but if you feel the need to explain it, <laughs> no, I just want to make sure we're on the same plate, the same page, and we can use clout from now on on this on this podcast. You're allowed to use whatever you want, Felipe. And if we if you throw us with whatever you you have pulled out of the Urban Dictionary, we'll just have to <laughs> clout. I love that. I love, I love coming here on Tuesdays and learning something. <laughs> what if you threw Isaiah Simmons in at tight end? 
Okay, that's enough. That's too yeah, far. Let's not do that's that. You know what? Here's what's frightening about that. I somebody actually tweeted that at me or something. I saw seriously, some JJ fan Watt actually maybe? brought it. Up. JJ Watt, you saw him no, catch see, some passes. Here's here's what's the best part JJ is Watt. if JJ Watt gets a touchdown, I am I'm so getting after Cobb because this summer we talked about that and me and Paul said uh, at least I said he's going to catch a touchdown this year and Kyle's like there's no way that happens and now maybe he does. Well, which game was it? Was it uh, Jacksonville? I think. Yeah, where he um, lined up in the backfield. They, you know, well, there, there, there was that. That was uh, was that Minnesota? Where was the megawatt? Where when, when was the megawatt was week touchdown? Week one, right? Week one. Maybe it was. Yeah, you're right. Actually, oh, it was week one. It was yeah. week one. Well, all the was, days are flying by now. I think it was week three. But Lecky Fotu and uh, JJ Watt came down the sideline when the Cardinals got near the goal line, and they were there just in case. So. Believe me, he's got it in his holster. Cliff Kingsbury has the megawatt package in his holster. So what's next? What else is going to come off the megawatt package? Are they going to actually hand it to Lucky Foto, former rugby player? Are they actually going to throw it to J.J. Watt, former tight end? We'll see. Tight end screen like we saw with Larry Fitzgerald in 2015 against Lucky Foto gets a touchdown. Against the Packers, I can't wait to write that story. I'm so all over that. He's a former rugby player, so it's possible. You know, yeah. he's been. In well, anything's similar. possible, Felipe. They technically could sign you. That would be possible. <laughs> But do you have confidence in in me, you know, Probably grabbing not. a touchdown? No. Probably. What not. kind of scheme do you have to see from Cliff Kingsbury for me to get a wide open touchdown? That's a that's a well. First um, of all, do we really men, need a, twelve men on the field? Do we really need a scheme? <laughs> Are they going to even cover you? You, you kind of have to. I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit of that Wolf story when he was talking about he caught his one touchdown and he, the ball was coming to him and he was like afraid he was going to drop it. <laughs> Well, we had Chase Edmonds on the Big Red Rage. He said, Wolf, how many career receptions again? He said 24. I said, great, because Chase is going to break your career mark this weekend, <laughs> uh, five games into the season. So he kind of took that personal. But it was good. We were separated. We weren't in the same studio. I don't have to worry about Wolf punching me so I can uh, throw <laughs> stuff in like that. I understand. So that works out pretty well. By the way, I know uh, Kevin Parrish is sitting here. He's dying to hear my hot take on where I am right now with the NFL playoffs in January. As we told him last week, Kevin, that the NFC Championship you can book at Cardinals at the Cowboys. That's going to happen. I'd like to add Wait, to that. Wait, why are we talking playoffs? Playoffs? I'm just saying, you know, if, if we're already getting ahead of ourselves and everyone's already putting the Bills into the Super Bowl, they're ahead of the Cardinals, the 5-0 Cardinals and the Power Poles. Uh, yeah, I could see that, you know, Bills and uh, Chargers in the Super Bowl as of right now. But uh, you realize that the football gods will be putting the Cardinals and the Buccaneers in the first round, the first playoff game for the Arizona Cardinals will be against Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, in Tampa? Todd Bowles against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In Tampa? No, not necessarily. But I'm just saying that matchup <laughs> will happen because the football gods will put the Cardinals against Bruce Arians in the postseason. What's wrong about that matchup, though? No, I'm just saying it's, it's must-see TV. you got to have it. The NFL's got to have it. Somehow that's going to happen. Got to beat the best to be the best, baby. I, I just don't want to jinx it. I know Darren doesn't believe it. I'm always knocking on some type of wood. Are you going to bring that up every time you say Yeah, it's because we it? talk about the postseason like we're close or something like that. So I just want to make sure I don't we don't jinx it. I remember last year, again, going back to last year when we were 6-3, and three, I went on Instagram and I said, oh, they look like a Super Bowl contending yep, team. Yeah, that's what did it. And that's what did that's it. What you know, did that's what it. did Going it. Going on Instagram and talking about don't, it. Yeah. That's a message to our fans. Nothing to do with Kyler go, getting banged up. Don't go on social media and start making predictions in week nine. That's my message. I wish we had that much control. All right, so last word here, Baker against Kyler, which once again should be in the Sunday night football slot. It is not. Uh, but what do you think? Just the fact these two are hyper-competitive guys and that Kyler won – 
episode one of this in 2019, and then there was the exchange of jerseys afterwards, and Kyler said, because one of them was mic'd up or the mics caught it, said, uh, I have bragging rights now, and so boom, what do you think? How does that uh, manifest itself and materialize on game day? Kyler against Baker. Well, my first thought is, is like if you put out a tweet with somebody talking about how good Kyler is, are, are you going to get the fan base of the Cardinals all messed up? <laughs> no. Since no. you're already jerking around with a Cleveland fan base? Once again, it's a tinderbox, apparently, the Browns fan base, and all it takes is just uh, the slightest hint of a uh, you know, flame of any sort, and uh, they're all over it. So uh, even Robert Alford with an innocuous compliment of the opposing quarterback, which happens every week in every game, and they're trying to use that as a polarizing thing as to you know whether they should stick with Baker Mayfield All right, or see, not. Well, I got to stop you right here because you got to be careful. You can't talk about the innocuous comment and then be like, but I put it out there. Why, why are you tweeting innocuous comments then, Paul? That's what I said off the top is I wasn't even going to hit tweet. I almost deleted why, it why because it was, it, was, it was a nothing comment, but there was very little else in the press conferences. So I figured, well, I'd already typed it. Let's send it out. I didn't say it. He did. Whatever. Paul trying to prove he's working. I no. just want to know what innocuous means. <laughs> Harmless. You there know. You go. I mean, you know. That's – so, anyway, I mean, you're not making worry. me feel good about your Arizona State education over there, Felipe. It's not that. It's just I've never seen innocuous in a tweet, you know. I've never. Well, it know. wasn't in the tweet. He was just that's describing how, the tweet. I described the tweet, but, yeah, you know, I mean, it, do you think there's drama in the Heisman house this week? You know, Baker and Kyler and wasn't the, well, the, the roommates now were the roommates because Barry mm-hmm. Sanders didn't like rooming with Baker. Who was of his endorsements? To, you know, Baker yeah. is a good actor, though. I got to give him credit. He is. The, he's these, much the better. The commercials he's yeah. in, yeah. he's really, really yeah, good. But, Kyler's yeah. getting a little bit better. A little better. But no offense, Kyler, yeah. Baker is a really good actor. Yeah. And, and as someone who actually covered Barry Sanders and had conversations with him in the Lions locker room, if you're irritating Barry Sanders, then that's on you. I'm just going to tell you that. That's a good point, too. Barry's a very accommodating uh, Have you heard of Barry soul. Sanders, Felipe? I, I have, but wait. He wasn't the one that played baseball, right? That was Bo Jackson. <laughs> Okay, I think we might want to end it right there. I'm sorry, guys. I'm in the 2000s, you know. Like, that's – Barry Sanders I do know because I played uh, Madden for most of my life, so that's how I know him. I've never actually watched them, watched them play or anything. You need to go to a YouTube of Barry Sanders and you tell me he's not the greatest running back ever because he is. That's like the MJ LeBron no, conversation. It's not. Yeah, go because, watch him. Go because watch him. I watch No, 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 no. I watched no. LeBron James play and you I, have I never not watched. watched Barry Sanders until you watch Barry Sanders. Don't even come with me. Yeah, Darren, but that's this is the comparison I'm making. I've watched LeBron James play, so I can confidently say he's the greatest of all time because I never watch MJ play. And I know a lot That's of it. That's not how that works, yeah, though. Yeah, so I never watch Barry Sanders play. So may, maybe to me. Felipe, mm, you can say he's the greatest you've seen. Yeah. But you can't say, you he's, can't the say he's the greatest of all, greatest time, of all time when you haven't seen all the other players but of see, all time. I can, but that's that's the argument here. Like, I can name plenty of running backs in the 2000s that I can confidently say might be better than Barry Sanders, no, right? No, no. You cannot confidently say there's, that because there's, you haven't na- seen it. Name the best running back from the 2000s. Uh, Adrian Peterson. Can you not make the argument that he's better than Barry Sanders? No, you cannot. Because you've watched both of them, right? So you can confidently say that. I have never watched Felipe. Barry Sanders. Felipe. So I can say Adrian Peterson is arguably the greatest running back of all time. Uh, first of all, you threw arguably in there. That's one thing. You are, you. Uh, we got to wrap this up. I know, Paul. But but seriously, and and it, this is this is just <laughs> like you can't make an argument without researching everything that's like that you you can't say i'm going to do my own research and then don't do the research felipe 
I'm just saying it's the LeBron James MJ conversation. I think LeBron James is the greatest, you know, basketball player. And of all you've time. seen a bunch of MJ stuff. Yes. Okay. Then same, that's okay. Same thing with with Barry Sanders. I never watched him play in person. Obviously, I've watched you, clips and I watched. Right, well, you just said you had stuff. never seen him. I thought we were talking about like, did I ever watch him play or anything? I know who he is. Come on. No, man. I know he know who he is. I I think if I said I I there's a YouTube thing out there of his best plays, and if you really gonna sit there and say Adrian Peterson's better than him, so you think I'm gonna go on YouTube, look up and watch rewatch Barry Sanders highlights and say, there we go, I watched the highlights. No, you He's won't like, now because you're gonna be stubborn. But no, because I never watched him play. That's that's the biggest difference. That's my argument. This reminds me of the Vince Vaughn scene. From I think it's Swingers. What was the movie where they were arguing the about Le- LeBron and uh, MJ and Vince Vaughn started screaming? Yeah, and, it would have uh, been LeBron that far back. Sure. Yeah. Was it was. It? it was something about uh, you know if we're gonna end this uh, podcast, we should end with a Vince Vaughn famous movie line where okay. he's screaming about MJ versus LeBron, Maybe. and he ends the argument uh, in favor of MJ here on this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>